Hello and welcome to Rigori, the Italian football podcast. I'm Marco Rinaldi and I'm joined by my cousin Giancarlo. How are you? I'm alright. Fiorentina haven't played yet, so that's made it for a very relaxing weekend. Yes, um, we we the past couple of episodes we've we've recorded early before the big Sunday night game, but we did delay recording of this one so that we could watch the Milan Atalanta game. But um, what a mistake! I, I, yeah, was. No, I, I was going to say that that, that that wasn't the wisest decision. I could have been spending my time doing something else. No, it was. I'm, I'm being harsh. I mean, it was. It wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't. It wasn't great, especially in the second half. Yeah, yeah, the second half went downhill. I mean, the first half, the first two minutes yeah. were amazing. Uh, I mean, goal, yeah. Leal scored a lovely goal, typical of him, really. Got a little bit lucky, maybe, in beating Scalvini, but then curved in a beautiful shot, uh, unsavable for Carniseki. And then he gave a wee... I don't know if he was sort of saying, you know, shut your mouth kind of thing. I mean, because he has had quite a lot of criticism for, you know, at post Scudetto, mm-hmm. they've kind of criticised him for not um, quite delivering what he could, but he certainly delivered there, and that, that sort of augured really well for the game, and it was a, it was quite a good ding-dong, I mean, Milan really went for it, I thought Atalanta looked kind of dangerous, but then, then I mean, I don't know how many times we'll discuss Maybe we should go back through old episodes of the well-named Rigori podcast because a penalty that, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people out there will think it was a penalty, but why they needed to call a man back to VAR for a a high boot that, you know, the home the, the Atalanta player went down holding his head. The replay showed he clearly didn't get kicked in the head he no, did sort of brushed his he, he, he did get touched he did get I mean, kicked was, on the arm yeah, and, and I suppose I suppose if you were saying if it had been his leg it probably it would have been a penalty but to me there was you know there was no force there was no danger I don't think it put him off in any you know, no. I don't think it caused caused him to do anything no, different no. so yeah <laughs> I, I, it was very soft to me but I, I suppose if you're an Atalanta fan you'd be you'd be claiming it but um yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, there was as contact. you say, why v, why VAR is getting involved yeah, in that? Yeah, exactly. You know, he hadn't given it, and and we know Morsato um, is a man that likes to let a game flow and doesn't give much. So you know that by his judgment, I was just surprised that you know, honestly they didn't have the kind of courage to just wave it away. Really, even when he went and and looked at it, but but there you go, he gave it. As I say, there no doubt there was contact. But honestly, I would have booked the boy for writhing around. But it shows that that sort of thing prospers, really, I guess. Yeah. You know, in Italy especially, that that kind of um, acting, and that's not a go at the player or a go at the team because almost everyone does it. And, you know, as for as long as they benefit from it, you know, I'm not saying the VAR, I don't think, would be particularly influenced by his, his writhing around or whatever, but... Um, soft penalty felt a bit harsh for Milan really um, I mean De Ketelar had a t- I mean, he was obviously being at the San Siro just triggering for him because he was anonymous in that game where he's had a great season Yeah, um, but it, he was hooked at half time the, the trouble with VAR getting involved just going back to that penalty is that it's very difficult for the referee when he's called over and you know because I'm sure part of him was thinking well 
no, that's still not a penalty. But once he's called over, once he sees any sort of contact, then it's very difficult for him not to give the decision in that because otherwise he knows what the papers will say. Yeah, tomorrow. yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, and the indication is that you know somebody who's got a better view than you of the whole pitch or whatever, and of the specific incident, has told you that there's something you should look at. So I think psychologically you're going to it. Presumably there's a conversation there as well going on in his ear that's trying to persuade him that, you know, this is worth looking at. And you're obviously then rarely going to say, come and look at this if you don't think it's a penalty. So, yeah, the the, the, the dice are kind of stacked in favour of giving it once you're once you're called to the screen or whatever. It's very rare that, yeah, exactly. It's very rare that they go to the screen and don't change the decision. It has to be. Ah, yeah, the only, funnily enough, I saw that, I mean, completely off Rigori podcast topic, but Willie Collum in the Celtic game today did. He was called back to see if he should have given a red card to one of the Motherwell players and he dismissed it, you know, he had the courage of his convictions and you almost wanted to say bravo, you know, to yeah. the to the referee that is you know, it's it's almost like standing up for yourself, really. That yeah. it's so unusual that they do it. We're so surprised to see it. But um I know he did, but it is it is unusual as I say there well they gave the but then, you know, as I say, we see soft penalties given week in, week out in Italy, so it's no it's no great surprise. It'll be annoying to Milan. I think Pioli got booked in the um in the for his protests about it and, you know, it would be annoying to Milan because they could have, you know, made that third place certainly much more much more safe. Whereas with that result it, it felt towards the end like Atalanta were quite happy with a draw, which to be fair at the at the San Siro where they've got to go again, I think midweek they're playing yeah. Inter away, which would probably be a even tougher game. So you know, a point in the San Siro for them probably enough. But didn't feel they've been playing really great, but didn't feel like they played that great in that game to honestly deserve the draw. But um, but Milan equally didn't produce enough. As you said, the second half was fairly drab and did make me wonder question the wisdom of not record <laughs> of not recording about five hours earlier but hey but hey ho because we messed up to be fair we messed up last yeah, when it yeah. when it was an absolute humdinger the milan monza that we thought we'd, we'd perhaps not have that much um talking points in it so you know as you say, we, you we, know, we'll come we'll come back to things we mess up well i know i was going to say that's curse. we're almost yeah. guaranteed yeah. We're, we're almost a guarantee that we will get we'll to come back completely to that later on the podcast but, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Elsewhere at the top, Inter another thumping victory over Lecce. You know, it's it's only a matter of time before the Scudetto is theirs, really, which is a bit ridiculous to say in February. But it is the it is just the fact. They the they look so good. I mean, Lautaro getting his hundred and a hundred and first Serie A goals and, and joins a handful of players that have done that for for one club or whatever. Absolutely, a stroke they made. Huge changes, even your old pal Laudero in goals couldn't stop them from winning against the late team. He's a good, good goalkeeper, actually. But you know, the, 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 that shows the strength and depth that Inter have got. That you know, trip to Lecce not necessarily easy, but they made it look awful easy, even resting. You know, they didn't rest Martinez, but they did rest Barella, they did rest Jalanoglu. I think you know, they, they did. They did send out what would have been considered a, 
a second dish string mm-hmm. and they won four nil where where Juve had to huff and puff past yeah, and- Frosinone with a ninety sixth minute goal from from Rugani, you know. So I mean what word to Vlaovic certainly in the I think he's um, Serie's most informed striker of the the calendar year for whatever that's worth, so that's a big boost to you. But uh, you know the just the 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 depth of squad looks like night and day, and and the gap now is significant as well. Yeah, and then Inter, of course, having a very good week because uh, they they got the win in the Champions League, and overall it was another good week for Italian clubs in Europe because they got the win Napoli. Fought back against Barcelona for a draw. Okay, it was at home, but, you know, important to do that. Roma got through. So, you know, it, it, it was a good set of results. Really. Absolutely, yeah. No, and it comes on the back of Lazio doing a job on on Bayern Munich. They, they've all got... I mean, I think that the, the, the Roma-Brighton tie is quite a mouth-watering yeah. one. De Rossi versus De Zerbi. Um, you know, so that's, that's something to look forward to. And Milan... I've got the reward. I mean, I, I think, you know, after our discussions last week, the Gazeta was obviously listening in because they looked up to see how many teams Serie A could potentially get in in Europe next year. And by, you know, an amazing, I mean, let's be honest, it's never going to happen, but they could be 10 Italian teams in Europe next season. <laughs> they could have seven teams in the Champions League because... I mean, I think five is eminently possible because uh-huh. that's down to there's going to be a couple of extra places up for grabs for one of the the two of the top um, leagues. And at the moment, on coefficient, Italy sits in one of those spots. The teams are doing well. So that would mean that Champions League qualification could come down to fifth place. But bear with me, if Lazio or Napoli were to win the Champions League and not finish in the top five, which, you know, one part of that's possible, they're not, <laughs> they're not finishing in the top five. But let's stretch your stretch your credulity yeah, yeah. to that point. That would be the that would be the sixth place. And then um if if it happened that Roma were to win the Europa League and um qualify that way and not finish in the top six or whatever, then they would take the seventh spot, and then you'd have two places in the Europa, one in the one in the cover. I mean, I suppose potentially. I don't know if they won. No, you won the conference. You go up to the Euro. Anyway, I yeah. believe. I believe there are, at least in theory there could be seven Italian teams in the Champions League, which is a great, a great dream. But as I say, five, five sounds possible. But the performances have been good, and you know the draws. Milan have got a Milan not in the Champions League, obviously, but you know they got a fairly manageable-ish draw in the in the conference league with the um, Slavia Prague, I think it is, and then um the the um Roma obviously with Brighton's tricky, but Fiorentina landed Maccabi Haifa in the conference league. So you know there's there's certainly the prospect of Italian teams boosting uh, their coefficient further. And and as you say, Champions League at least they've left all those ties open. You know, yeah. there is there is uh-huh. a possibility. Bayern not in their greatest form, Barcelona not in their greatest form, you know, and an Inter look look capable of of knocking out anybody. So you know, it's it's been a good a good while for the, as we call it, the Farmers League has done <laughs> has done pretty well. Yeah, and returning to the Farmers League, uh, just a bit further down, I just wanted to mention a couple other teams, uh, Genoa, who we've we have we always they they got off to maybe. 
slightly tricky start, but we always thought that we're a good team, had a good squad, good manager in Giardino, and you know that's starting to bear fruit. They're looking fairly safe. Another good win uh, against Udinese. Retegui, from the Italian national team point of view, Retegui seems to be getting a bit, a bit better, a bit more informed. Does which is important. scored the? I mean, uh, the the second best overhead kick of the weekend. Yes, we can get to the we can get to the best one later. But you know, yeah, no, he was looking sharp. We've mentioned Goodmanson before. He didn't score this, but he set up one of their goals as well and you know they look a, a solid unit that you know could could dream of Europe if the places come down um, far enough they've certainly looked like they've banished all thoughts of relegation which is you know for a newly promoted side granted a newly promoted side with a bit of clout but just the mm-hmm. same you know they've done a good they've done a good job and you know I think you know ex-Fiorentina players as managers clearly the way to the route to success <laughs> I would say so yeah no it's been it's been good for Genoa and they, they've been on a on a good run and that was another good result which you know it was a blow to Udinese obviously they've had a bit of a revival but they're still still got some some more struggles ahead I would suggest yeah but not as many struggles as Sassuolo who are right we've, we've sort of mentioned them in passing a few times uh, in the past few weeks um, but you know, and a bad, bad loss at home to Empoli, who who are in a bit of form. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know that's a game they needed to win, really. And they're they're right in the relegation. They, battle, they right? definitely are, and it's it's one of these things. I always think, how many times can you do that miracle of kind of getting rid of players and starting a new crop, and then you know they're not a they're not a team with a big Serie A tradition. They're not a team with a big following either and you know just you you, you do fear the the Dionisi was a he was a manager he was a sacked now he was a manager that could be hot and cold mm-hmm. and unfortunately he's been stone cold for the last for the last wee while I mean we always we always laugh when we see the names I mean Ballardini's name came up in the in the replacement bingo uh, I saw Ballardini Semplici who I mean that would follow the ex Fiorentina method of survival as he was a coach of Fiorentina's youth team or or Bijica as well, Emiliano Bijica who's also got, got Fiorentina's past. So, you know, as I say, I don't know, but whoever it is is going to have quite a, a hard task because that sort of um, approach of kind of uh, Berardi and 10 others is looking like it might be wearing a bit thin for Sassuolo. And, you know, as you say, Empoli, they they changed managers and it's had a it's had a very positive effect for them. It was a it was a curious game because there was a lot of, a lot of big headers scored in it. Battle of the headers, Luperto came up and scored the header. Ferrari scored the header for Sassuolo, and then um, Simone Bastoni got the the winner yeah. late on with a with a header as well. So you know hard hard to take. But we've been saying that the writing was on the wall a bit for Dionisi for a while, and uh, and so they've got rid of him. But the other one I did notice was that the Liverani era at Salernitana might be very short lived. I don't know if you I don't know <laughs> I if you saw that. that. Did you not see that? No. Yeah. And guess who could be back? Guess who's back back again? People Inzaghi. So we could have we could have Inzaghi's top and bottom. We were just mourning the passing of of, of super people. And and yeah, no, apparently Salernitana are seriously thinking that mm, 
maybe Liverani wasn't the answer. What can we do? That classic Italian well, uh, solution. Like, go is, back to the man we so had before. Yeah. Before yeah. But, but but as a, before Inzaghi left, I did see, you know, to me, Salernitana looked to, they, they weren't getting the results maybe, but they were playing better football. They were losing maybe in the last minute and stuff. So it was unlucky, but they did look to me like they had something about them still. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, maybe that, you know, so maybe Inzaghi changing him wasn't, wasn't. The thing well, I, I mean, I, well, I think we did see, we were sceptical as to whether that was going to produce any much results. And it certainly hasn't so far. I mean, Monza are on good form. I think they deserve their, deserve their win, deserve a mention alongside Genoa as a team in, in good form. I believe that um, their form has kind of, um, Juve's interest in Palladino as a as a coach because he has done a good job yeah, with relatively limited resources. So you know, despite um, honour to Max Allegri, I think that was his thousandth point or something in in Serie A at the weekend there. But you know, he's got one year to run on his contract. He said he expects to be there, but whether Juve expect him to be there is another is another thing and they're clearly shopping around, you know, so um credit to Monza Paladino stock very, very high at the at the moment. But yeah, Salernitana could be watch this space, could be another coaching a coaching casualty in the not too distant future and that is a very cutthroat battle down there and you know, they are the ones cut most adrift, the, yeah. the rest of the teams are all kind of bunched together but um, but Salernitana really need, they need something fairly miraculous and they need it fairly soon Yeah, and then just dropping down into where some of these teams will be playing next season, Serie B uh, Como Parma, a big clash of the weekend probably um, ended up as a draw which from Venezia's point of view was exactly what what we wanted, really, um, and uh, it was a yeah. So Pisa Venezia, um, and it was a it was a game that looked like it was going to end in another frustrating draw. Um, Vanoli at halftime had brought on Mark Marco Olivieri, who I bad mouthed last week in true rigori fashion, um, and he was in my defence, completely anonymous and useless. I don't think he touched can, the ball, can, basically. Can we can we play back the clip of what you said about <laughs> yeah, him? Exactly. Could you look that out? We yeah. should. We should. I think it was something like, I don't know what the point of Olivier <laughs> yeah, is. I've exactly. never seen a player this hopeless. Something along those lines. Okay, this is post-recording. Here it is. Um, this is what we said last week about Olivieri. He's he's now got into this habit of bringing Olivieri on, who is completely useless. Like I've never seen the man do anything good on a football pitch. Um, and you know, cue and when... you Olivieri hat trick next week. Yeah, well, hopefully, get your hopefully. get your money on that, listeners. And I stand by a lot of that. But in the ninety second minute, <laughs> Buzio crossed the ball in, and who should be there to do an overhead scissor kick? But old Olivieri. To, to whack the ball into the bottom corner and no one looked more surprised I have to say than him and I thought there was something about the way that all the players celebrated it was like they were they couldn't believe it either it was it was you know as if Vanoli had brought him on at half time just to, to handicap ourselves but in any event huge goal in the context of things because it puts us into second place um, outright 
and it could be a massive goal in terms of in terms of promotion. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, because I know it was a weekend of a lot of draws in say I think five, I think half the league's games were were draws. So obviously the winning teams, let's name check them: Sampdoria, Catanzaro, Ascoli, and Sud Tirol. Um, all made you know significant steps towards their own their own targets. Big win for Venezia, but you know Catanzaro, I've got a soft spot for because they twinned with with Fiorentina. Samp, it's it's a bit of breathing space in their um, battle to survive. I, I did read a story. This was last week, but I, I don't know if you saw about the. Um, substitution that was made by mistake by Sampdoria last week. Did you read that story? No, I didn't Pirlo, see that one. No, 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 Pirlo apparently, allegedly, anyway, the player that went down injured had said, calma, calma, but they thought he'd said, cambia, cambia, make a change. <laughs> it seems impossible to believe, but this is what happened. And so then they sent on something, sent on some 17 year old boy who wasn't ready for the the battle and you know that cost them dearly last week mm-hmm. so it seemed impossible so a, a big tonic for them to to get a win this weekend on a weekend as I say which which underlined yet again what a close division it is that, that all these teams were were drawing with one another but you know that yeah definitely a big boost for Venezia and a big boost for the Rigori podcast's credibility and insight with the <laughs> yeah, with that another, man with another, another classic yeah another classic scoring <laughs> that um, and yeah there are as you mentioned earlier there's a round of midweek games uh, this week um, and yeah Venezia played Cittadella the the derby um, before a massive game against Como next Sunday um, so. Yeah, some some big games coming up, and if 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 you know Venezia could get something out of those two games, then it really is starting to look very promising. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Definitely. Well, I'm obviously I'm in a more relaxed frame of mind because Fiorentina haven't played yet, but that that uh, level of good humour will probably be crushed by um, <laughs> a game with Lazio on Monday night, and then uh, Fiorentina play Torino. I'm going to be on a Another podcast, the Talking Toro podcast, discussing uh, that one. Um, Torino, a team that famously struggled to get shots on goal, but they'll no doubt have no problem against the against <laughs> the Fiorentina defence. It really has been in poor, poor, in poor, poor form. But yeah, no, there's some big games coming up, and as alluded to, midweek Inter Atalanta. I mean, I think uh, uh, if Inter come through that with a win, then really we can crown them champions pretty much now and they can focus on trying to bring back bring back the goods in in Europe. I wanted to mention to one other wee thing quickly, Marco, was about the national team. I don't know if you saw yeah, that definitely. Spalletti and in, in, in so I think he must be twinned with Queen of the South manager Marvin Bartley because he doesn't want them to bring their PlayStation. What is this obsession? That is, is it an age thing? Do you think that it's like? Well, I, I said, uh, yeah. As soon as I read it, I was like, "This is a." It does it. It shows Spalletti's age. That to me, because you know, I get, I get what he's saying. He wants them concentrated on yeah. the football or whatever. But I also remember the story of Pirlo staying up till three a.m. playing on his PlayStation. Yeah, well, the World well, Cup they final. did, and then I mean, I remember. I'm old enough to remember the stories of the boys. 
staying up and smoking and playing yeah. briscola. I mean, yeah, so exactly. what was what's so bad about playing on your? But they do see seems to be a modern obsession. It's like yeah. a generational thing. Yeah, I think is, if you don't yeah. do it and young players do do it, they don't seem to understand. And that, I mean, I don't see what's as a as a gamer. I don't see what's wrong. I mean, yeah, if they're obviously if they're playing for twenty four hours and they turn up with square eyes and they can't function, then that's that's one thing. But yeah, no, as Spalletti, as you say, anybody who's not seen it was saying, oh, they'll not be bringing the PlayStation to cover channel anymore before games. I'll find some other game for them to play. I don't know what that. I don't know what it was alluding <laughs> to. Slightly, slightly concerning, perhaps. But um, no, you know. So I mean, I, I mean, I get in the end. Let's be honest, Marco, if it produces results, we'll be saying bravo. You know, don't let them take the PlayStation if it brings Italy glory at the Euros it's or whatever. A, uh, yeah, but- it's a funny thing, though. I always think these things must be are a balance, though, because you don't want the players, you want the players to feel relaxed. And, yeah. You know, it's the same thing when they ban the wives and girlfriends yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff, you know. It, 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 it rarely works as a, as a tactic to me. No. You need, you want them to feel relaxed and happy and focused on their football but yes they've got other distractions yeah there. that's right yeah i think it is it is balance it is as i say it just it strikes me as a sort of old man saying what are these youngsters these yeah. kid, kids these days you know whatever they're you know they didn't have that in my day we were out on our bike and i don't know playing until the sun went down or whatever and the world was so much better and all that, you know. Is that it smacks of it smacks of that? But I say, hopefully, hopefully, it also smacks of producing good results and great performances. And he's going to find all these non PlayStation playing footballers that are going to be absolutely fantastic for Italy in the in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But uh, yeah, we've uh, rambled on enough. I think this week, so um, we won't be covering the the. We won't have an episode during midweek for those midweek games, but we'll be back next week, um, and uh, we can discuss both rounds of games at that point. But if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do like, listen, subscribe, tell your friends, all of that sort of stuff, because that's always good for us. And otherwise, we will speak to you next week. We will do share it, share it, and share it some more. <laughs>